Giant Pants Volley. Patrick Hines. Ba-da-da. You hear me taking up the octave this week? I did. Listen, I was gonna say, what happened to the vocal rest? I know. Listen, how do I sound like a billion percent better? You do. There's nothing worse than trying to record a podcast with no voice. Or three of them, like we do every time we get together. <laughs> yeah. We record three know, full true. length podcasts, you guys. <laughs> it's true. Um, you guys, before we get to the show, just a reminder, uh, join our Patreon. It is blowing up. This week we're doing serial episode six, and it is crazy. I have a lot to say <laughs> to Sarah Koenig. Well, this is where Sarah puts on her Inspector Gadget hat and goes out and does some like investigating. I guess. She also <laughs> gives a lot of attitude and then gets really needy. It's, very, it's an emotional rollercoaster for Sarah. Gets really needy. <laughs> it's very odd. Yeah, it's a... I'm like not here. For, I'm not standing for it. Sarah. Oh, really? I'm really not. Oh, I, I love... Think, I think she has some nerve. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> she tells Adnan that the case, it doesn't look good for him. She tells him that like 80 times. Uh-huh. <laughs> but he can't say a word back to her. I can't. So we got to save it because I'm going to lose my mind. Uh, you know, of course, in addition to that, you guys, there's all the extended outtakes for all of our episodes. Mm-hmm. Everything is commercial free. There's a whole bunch of other bonus episodes, a whole bunch of other mini episodes. Come hang out with us. We just recorded a whole story about our experience at CrimeCon that oh, we're going to put up on the Patreon my feed. God. Girl. What are we talking about today? But like, but like, literally, what are we talking about today? I, I could not follow this. There's a lot happening. Yeah. It's crazy. It's called Disgrace. Yes. It's about the 2003 murder of a basketball player named Patrick Dennehy. Baylor University athlete Patrick Dennehy has vanished without a trace. It's one of those things people around here do not talk about. The summer of 2003 has been wiped from the pages of history. Baylor is a big-time athletic program where winning is paramount. We all thought that the 2003 season was the year. I remember Patrick telling me that with his help, Baylor would be the Big 12 champion. Patrick was always very calm, cool, and collected. But he called me frantic. He told me he was being threatened. He told me he was going to buy a gun. He was not in class, and nobody seemed to know where he was. It's like he disappeared off the face of the earth. Police in Waco, Texas, fear the worst and think that some of Denny's teammates might know something about it. 911, do you have an emergency? Yes, we do. Okay, what's your name? Uh, Carlton. Bradford. Carlton was the closest to Patrick at Baylor. I was completely shocked. They were best friends. Nothing was adding up. Our investigation into this tragedy will continue to move forward. What unfolded after that just took the story to a whole new level. The first time that I hear that coaches are paying Patrick Dennehy is through media reports. Patrick was a 6'9 future NBA player. Of course he's on scholarship, but he wasn't. How did Patrick pay tuition? There was one guy who knew everything that was going on, and that was Dave Bliss. We didn't know until those tapes came out, because the tapes is when, you know, it's over for him. There's nobody right now that can say that we paid Patrick Dennehy. This man is lying. I saw coaches give Patrick money on many occasions. We didn't hear what the truth was. The truth is still there somewhere. This was the ultimate lights are off, doors closed, cover up. People did not want to see their beloved university or their beloved program hurt. I haven't forgiven Dave Bliss. He's never going to talk again. Why would he? You ready, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, girl. Do you want to, like, before this, there's, like, literally five plots to this, you guys. No joke. They're trying to solve, like, five different mysteries. Yeah. Do you want to just give, like, an overview of, like, the main through line? Yeah. So there's a basketball player named Patrick Dennehy on the Baylor University basketball team, and he is murdered. And no one knows who or what or why or when. But there were some really crazy things leading up to it where Patrick felt very threatened and his friend Carlton also did. So we'll get to that. In addition to that, the reason Patrick is on the Baylor University basketball team is because they used to be terrible. And then this guy, David Bliss, came along. Yeah, this like legendary, (laughs) this like legendary coach or whatever. Right, like came and totally changed it around. So then like now all of these players who would never want to be recruited to Baylor. Right. Now they are so Patrick is 6'9 he's an amazing basketball player yeah. I mean you look at this kid and you're like oh he was made to play basketball 100% and he was amazing at it and then like in the end it's like becomes like a, an actual whodunit like it's right. ridiculous I it's, hated this movie can I say that sure I did not think this was well made and but I'll tell you I'm glad we did it like yeah. I, I think the case is super interesting it is but I just did not I, I did not think this movie was well made I, I just could not follow it well what I do love that the, that the filmmakers did and we'll get to it is that they just like leave all of the shit in when that stupid coach is like well you know this is off camera right and they're like sure buddy and they keep all of it in so it's like i'll i'll forgive them a lot yeah, of shit that's true because that true. was like gold totally. i was like this coach is a fucking idiot and i'm here for every second of it by the way every time they say his name all i could think of was good morning miss bliss yeah, of was, course was, was what saved by the bell was yeah, yeah. before it was saved by the bell uh-huh. all right so let's get into it okay the film opens with him talking about how like every day the devil beats him up every single day the devil would beat me up and remind me of what a bad person I was. And what that does, that that keeps harboring, you know, the crime and keeps burying you. And what you then, you can't be of any use to anybody. Of course I shouldn't be forgiven. I'm like, what did this guy do? Right, totally. Like, did is he the murderer? Right. <laughs> is he the murderer? No. I don't right. know. I know. I don't know. <laughs> I know. That's, the, that's the point. It I don't know. Thing about, like, why are, like, do you need a tuning fork to sing like a canary? Like, how, how why is this guy talking? Yeah. I why is he talking? I can't wait to get there. Because in the trailer, they, it's a very brilliant device. Where Absolutely. It's like, you know, once the tapes came out, he's never going to talk again. And then it's like him fixing his mic. Yeah. And I'm like, he's going to talk again. <laughs> oh, so good. I'm such a sucker for shit like that. Me too. And then we learned from Jessica Marlowe, who is was Patrick's girlfriend, yeah. that Patrick had to go somewhere with a full athletic scholarship he had all of a sudden a a place to live and he didn't have to worry about making rent he didn't have to worry about oh my gosh am i going to get evicted or not the bills were paid he didn't have to worry about his electricity being shut off not only was at the time this is what everyone thought happened not only did he get a full athletic scholarship but he had enough money from where I don't know to right. buy his mother a house and buy himself a new car. Yeah. So what? And and we'll learn this. I don't know exactly when we learn this, but we like this guy, Miss Bliss. Well, I'm just gonna call her Miss sure. Bliss the whole time. Yeah. He goes around and recruits all these top players. Right. And this is a, another b- bit of the tragedy of this is that like he promises all these parents that he's gonna look out for these kids that they're gonna be taken care of and protected and looked after. And so this guy Patrick is one of the kids that he recruits. Right. It's like it's like the the coach in Fantastic Lies like that he actually did that Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. what this guy was saying it's what Coach Taylor is in Friday Night Lights everybody (laughs) Dave Bliss he made it clear to Patrick that if he came out to Baylor everything would be great everything's gonna be wonderful you're gonna be my star so yeah so he recruits Patrick 
and he recruits this guy Carlton Dodson, yeah. and he also recruits this guy Harvey Thomas. These are right. our three main players here. Yeah. But the thing that people are saying about Carlton is like he's a great guy. Everybody trusted him. Right. So he had a really great reputation. So Patrick and Carlton are best friends. Carlton was the closest to Patrick at Baylor. You know, he started to become friends with Carlton pretty quickly. They kind of clowned around. They seemed like, like good buddies. So then there's another recruit. This guy's name is Harvey Thomas. Right. Patrick was described as his chaperone. And they have this great scene where, so Harvey's interviewed. Everybody's interviewed. Patrick goes to pick Harvey up at the bus station. Mm -hmm. And the two immediately bond. First thing he asked me, he's like, hey, man, you smoke? I say, yes, of course. And right then and there, I say, hey, we're going to be just fine. We're going to, you know, we're going to get along well. I'm assuming marijuana. I I don't know. I, I, I think so, yeah. So... Harvey is at school and Harvey does something that I don't fully understand. <laughs> I think that, that like a lot of people do a lot of things that we don't fully understand. In he this. calls his cousin slash friend slash sidekick <laughs> slash hanger on, as he's described. This guy, Larry Johnson. Yeah. Is just around. He's basically his friend. He's hanging out. He's getting to see the life that Harvey is about to live. He's just a friend that's, you know, a hanger on. Well, it doesn't seem like it was especially strange to the coaches. Like, the, like all of the coaches are like, oh, yeah, he was just kind of always there in the background. Right. So now these four guys are together, and we meet this guy, Daniel. Yeah. Who is Patrick's best friend from home. I looked up to him, figuratively and literally. He, he's the friendliest guy you ever met. He was a brother to me. He looks broken. He looks like an absolutely broken human. Yeah. He has suffered through this. Because this whole thing takes place in about like nine, nine, ten days from you him guys, missing. It happens to... so, oh, the whole thing takes place in like such a short amount of time. And he like was around. So he, I mean, he has been involved in things where he's like, wait, what? So I get yeah. the brokenness. It's horrible. He's a very sweet guy. He's just like a heart of gold, whatever. Totally. But Patrick calls him one night and he's frantic. Patrick was always very calm, cool, and collected. But he called me frantic. I had never heard him like this. I never heard him this scared of anything. Something's up. I'm like, what? And he's like, I don't know what to do. He's like, I can't say over the phone. We also learn in this interview with Daniel that Carlton Dodson is referred to as Dottie. It, like in the world of terrible nicknames, that's right at the top. But right. okay. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, whatever. So Patrick says to Daniel, Dottie is being threatened and I've got his back. Yeah. Which made me think that it was directed at Dodson. And I said, from what? He said, I can't say. And he's like, I need help. So this is the beginning of several phone calls and conversations where both Patrick and Dottie are like, really bad shit is happening. We can't talk about it over the phone. Right. And I can't give you my best friend since I was eight any details about it. And so can you imagine if someone called you and was like, I can't talk about it over the phone, but shit is really, really bad. Yeah. You know what I would do? You'd go down there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm now, also, I'm the last person you want to call in this situation. Yeah, like no, that. I would not call you. I'd tell you about it after. <laughs> So now we get stories from Patrick's girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, the good hero coach, Abar. Yeah, Abar, we're, we're coming to you in a minute, girl. Yeah. So we hear from them that Patrick is telling them that they are feeling threatened. He did tell me that he was scared and that there were weird things going on. And uh, I should, I, things that if I knew, he, I would be afraid as well. And then we get a little bit more information on the ground from Patrick's roommate, Chris Turk. <laughs> right. You guys, it's only funny because he is this like 
So, like, Dottie and Patrick are these two, like, super good-looking, super athletic, super tall black guys. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this kid, Chris Turk, who's this, like, like squeamish-looking little white guy. And you could tell that he loved Patrick, and they loved yeah. like, They got along great. But, like, he had Grateful Dead bootlegs. Totally. And he, like, followed fish w- around that summer. It, that randomly you know? assigned a basketball team member roommate. Uh-huh. Like, this was just random, but they loved each other. It's, like, it's such an odd couple situation where it's, like, of course they made it worked. Right. Like, it makes total sense totally. to me. It's, it's like, why he and Daniel are best friends. It just exactly. makes sense. It's what's beautiful about college. Like, yeah. This is the kind of shit that would only happen in college. Yeah. So Chris Turk tells us that now there are guns. There previously hadn't been a lot of guns around. I have no experience with guns. I didn't grow up hunting, never been around guns. So it was kind of a big deal to me to suddenly see all these guns around. I remember, you know, coming home from work and my door was deadbolted. And, you know, when I knocked at the door, they opened it and they were holding a rifle. Carlton and Patrick feel that they need guns for protection. They tell Chris, tell me how you would be losing your mind if your roommate was like, so here's the deal. <laughs> we're being threatened. We now have guns. We can't tell you anything about it. Do not open the door. Oh, my do God. Do not I know. even act like you're home and you're home alone. Like, don't do anything unless we're there, which is also kind of sweet. Like, oh, you have his back. But at the same time, I know. horrifying. Chris Turk literally clutches his pearls at one moment. He's I like, I had no experience with guns. Like, he just... You Girl, can tell that. Same. <laughs> so one night he's alone and someone knocks on the door. I looked to the peephole. There was someone at my door. He was an African-American, probably six foot five or taller. And he had what looked like a handgun, you know, holding it in a position that I could see it. It wasn't concealed. It was clearly a threatening move. I assumed it was Harvey. He doesn't go to answer it necessarily, but I'm like, it's like when you're watching a horror movie and you're like, yeah. don't go into the basement alone. <laughs> what are you doing? So he, go, he looks through the peephole and he describes this scene of someone holding a gun in a very obvious way, like up at the peephole, which you would never do. Right. So he takes that as a threat of someone saying like, they're not banging. They don't want to come in. They just want me to know yeah. that they have a gun. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> Baylor sounds really fun, you guys. So now the thing is, Chris assumes that it's Harvey Thomas. Right. Because Harvey Thomas is the name that keeps coming up. Harvey is that third basketball player right. that like bonded with Patrick over the pot. Right. And we don't know where that went south. Right. Because or, or if it went or south. Or if it went south. Because according to Harvey, it never went south. Right. Yeah. I don't know who to believe, you guys. But this is, like, it's just a badly made documentary. Yeah. So Daniel invites Patrick and Carlton down for the weekend for his birthday. I said, stay with me. We'll hang out for my birthday, and then we'll go back. I'll go with you. We'll go to the police. And then he said, hold on a second. He said, hey, hey, Carlton, are we going to head down? And I heard Carlton in the background. I didn't really hear audibly what he said. He said, yeah, yeah, we're on our way. We're heading out there soon. So now this is June 13th, 2003. And... Abar, the assistant coach that we love, Hero Bell, yeah, 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 yeah. he explains that his job, and he also just got there. He got there like the day the players got there. He's on the job not a week. Right. Totally. He's very, very new here. And he loves, he's so excited to have this job. Yeah, and I love him. He's great. The best. I, I mean, he does some amazing things <laughs> coming up. I'm so excited. So my primary function was to make sure that the players got where they needed to be when they needed to be there. And I would physically go to each one of their classes and make sure that they were sitting in that chair. Friday the 13th, we realized that Patrick uh, was not in class, but that he might have cut class and took an early weekend. Then we start hearing the heartbreaking stories. The girlfriend hasn't heard from him. He didn't send his dad a, a Father's Day card. Oh my God, he this... always gets a phone call. Oh, and... The dad, by the way. I love I the know, dad. I know, I know, I know. Uh, his stepdad. If he didn't call, there was always a card for special occasions. So I just figured, okay, well, maybe he'll call me Monday. 
And when they came and went and there was no phone call. Then you're just like, oh, God, this is bad. Yeah. So the stepdad also calls Carlton. And I had actually called Carlton and Carlton said, well, Mr. Brabazon, I'm, I'm back in, in Maryland and um, I had to get out of there. Things were crazy at Baylor. If I could talk to you in person, I'd tell you what was going on. Carlton, again, won't say anything specific to his best friend's stepfather who's in a panic looking for him. Carlton. Right, girl. And then he calls the coach. (laughs) Not Abar, Dave, Miss Bliss. (laughs) He calls Miss Bliss. Bliss just acted like, you know, he's he's around. He he said, uh, well, he's probably with his friends. Yeah. Again, these garbage coaches. I know. Like, wh- are you kidding me? And the whole idea is protecting the institution. It's all about, like, protecting Baylor. Like, if anything did happen, the- it can't get out to the media. Absolutely. So Daniel is like, well, I'm just going to drive there my goddamn self if right. no one else is going to do anything. I think I ran into the property manager and I had her open up the uh, apartment. Kind of smelled a little bit. There were the two baby pit bulls, so I fed them. The apartment reeked. There were dogs. Thank God, Hero Daniel <laughs> took the dogs. He's like, they clearly haven't been fed in days. Yeah. But what it looks like the most tra- traumatizing thing is that it looks like Patrick was in the middle of packing. Right. Like his suitcase was out, like literally in the middle of packing. Yeah. And by my assumption, he was packing to come down and see me. So then we meet Bob Fuller from Waco Police. <laughs> Bob has no time for your shit. I was. Working at the Waco Police Department, I was assigned to the Special Crimes Unit. My job was to investigate major crimes against persons. And he explains that now, because, you know, there's a missing persons report. It's been days, so now the police are involved. Yeah. And Bob Fuller tells us that the coaches wanted to sit in on the interviews with his players. He was like, girls, (laughs) no. Out of my station immediately. (laughs) Sit in with the players. I found out that Patrick Dennehy and Harvey Thomas and another young man from Baylor were all roommates. Carlton Dodson was also staying there during that time. And some money came up missing, and they were highly upset about it. They felt that Harvey Thomas may have been the one who took the money. Carlton and Patrick came into the office and said that Harvey and Larry had threatened them with a gun. Harvey, like, when he's, like, sitting with a camera, this kid has not a chip on his shoulder. No. He's, like, he thinks this whole thing is ridiculous. Absolutely. The coaches came to me and asked me, did you, did you threaten him or you had any problems? Like, no, coach, I don't have no problems with anyone. What coaches asked you that? Um, Bliss asked me. And Belcher, Rodney Belcher asked me the same thing. And, like, so does David Bliss, weirdly, who's yeah. like, well, this never happened. I don't know what's going on. You, you were never made aware that Patrick and Carlton said they were threatened by... Yeah, that, that's bogus. I don't know what that is. So then Abar, hero coach, yeah. is not having it. <laughs> Let me explain something to you. Nothing. There is nothing that happens without the head coach's knowledge. Ever. It doesn't happen. Now we're jumping to June 26, 2003. Yeah. And they find his car. Where do they find it, Jillian? They find it an actual thousand miles away. Literally a thousand miles away. In Virginia Beach, probably right around the corner from the Lisa Mattress Gallery, our sponsor today. Yes, perfect. (laughs) Denny's SUV, without any license plates, was found a thousand miles away at this shopping mall in Virginia. No sign of the basketball player. Police in Waco, Texas, fear the worst and think that some of Denny's teammates might know something about it. So the car was totally clean, as in, like, no fingerprints. That's police talk, everybody. Um, <laughs> no fingerprints, no plates. Like, they just, like, stripped the car and left it in, a like, a parking lot. Which is, like, I was thinking, 
how stupid or like if you don't want your car to, this car to be found leave the license plates on it put other license plates on it don't let a car with no license plates just sit in a parking that's the most obvious murder vehicle I know it's the equivalent of putting on those stupid sunglasses and mustache thing where it's like <laughs> I'm undercover right like no girl no like what kind of horrible criminal are you well then we realize that Carlton Dodson like lives nearby yeah so the so the feds from Waco go out to like get the car but they're like we're gonna have to get a statement from him one way or the other he lives nearby let's just go do that now you guys he lives nearby right. <laughs> stop and think for a minute I know that we learned like last week that the police academy they don't take things very seriously but like maybe just focus yeah <laughs> he lives nearby so he agrees to go with the cops he's like yeah sure any interview is 90% listening and 10% talking. I let Carlton talk, but the more he talked, the more relaxed he seemed. He didn't really want to talk about Patrick as much as he did about drug use at Baylor University. But now we get the interview. Like, they have the interview, you guys. It's, it's crazy. Ridiculous. Yeah. And he is talking about, he's like, Abar has kids, Abar Hero Coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has kids selling Coke for him. And you're like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> coach Abar, in what I would call a general, Coach Abar has Claire selling cocaine for I've known this guy 10 minutes in a documentary right. form, and I know for a fact he's not having kids sell coke for him. Right. Are you kidding me? But also, like, you're seeing this interview with Carlton, and you're like, this kid, there's something not right with this guy. Yeah. They and talk about how, like, they get up and leave the room. It's like a tactic they do. He's, like, muttering to himself. Then he starts giggling. And then he, you're like, is he rehearsing? He's kind of rehearsing. Right. And then he does the thing that Bob Fuller's like, we got him. He said, was, instead of is. He slipped up, but he called himself and said is, you know, right away. And I'm like, what? My job? I mean, this movie, again, I'm with you. I'm just like, oh, my God, what's happening? But that was kind of like. (gasps) Yeah, absolutely. That was a gaspable moment, you guys. And Bob Fuller's like, I'm not having time for your shit. Like, are you kidding me? Like, (laughs) So Bob, like, takes him, drives him home, and he knows. He's like, has this thing where he, like, thinks of this old movie or something. Uh Uh-huh. And he gets out of the car, and he goes to shake Carlton's hand. Put my hand down to shake Carlton's hand. You know, no matter what the state of Texas does. No matter what Waco PD does, you just need to remember God's going to get you for that. God's going to get you for that? Getcha for that. (laughs) And they like play the song, which is horrifying. It's so crazy. But Carlton is like noticeably shaken. Yeah. Which, you know what? I have never murdered anyone. (laughs) But if someone just like said that to me in a a stern way. Totally. I would probably get paler than usual. And it, wouldn't you if they're like, God's going to get you for that? I'm like, sure. for what? <laughs> Ooh, I didn't do anything. So now, of course, like Carlton is a person of interest, obviously. Yeah. And everyone is shocked. When they made that announcement, it was like a gut punch for the entire program. Patrick had never mentioned anything negative about Carlton to me directly. He never insinuated that anything was wrong in their friendship. It just did not make sense to me. Patrick is missing. His best friend that was also being threatened with him is now a person of interest? Right. Like, how did this all happen in two seconds? Actual two seconds. And then it cuts to Coach Avar. Who the, and, like, you can tell the filmmakers are asking him about these oh, allegations yeah. that he's been, like, having, like, that he's, like, drug kingpin at Baylor. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this 
essentially what I was asked by Bob Fuller on that day was, was I distributing drugs via the team? That was a very frightening question to me. Am I distributing drugs through our team? I had been there for 12 days. And that's what really drove it home for me. Like, what a short window of time this all happened in. Yeah, and they all arrived to Baylor at the same time. Like, the new coach and the new recruits. Yeah. He's like, how am I getting, like, a pyramid scheme of drugs in 12 (laughs) days? I just met these kids. My job is to make sure they're going to English class or whatever. And all I can do is talk about how happy I am to have this job. I know. You guys, Abar does the most amazing hero bell thing in a few minutes. It's going to be so great. Oh my God, it's my favorite thing ever. Meanwhile, all of this time, Patrick is still missing and nobody knows anything. And so the girlfriend's kind of like, well, I kind of know something. So here's one of the many bombs here. Yeah. I just felt that we needed more authorities involved in Patrick's investigation. And that's the point where I took the initiative to self-report my own NCAA violations and also report Patrick's because as I understood the NCAA worked with the FBI when necessary. I told the NCAA that I had received money on several occasions and that Patrick had received money and he had received a car. Patrick was not actually on scholarship. Which Again, they don't go into this. I don't know why he wouldn't be on scholarship. Well, Dave Bliss was paying him. But, like, why wouldn't he have gotten a scholarship? Right. I don't... Yeah, that I don't know. You know what I mean? That I don't know. So, Dave Bliss is, like, buying the car, the house, paying for his tuition, and he was doing this, and that's an NCAA violation. Right. The first time that I hear that coaches are paying Patrick Dennehy is through media reports and on the news. The rule violations reportedly include payments to players. And that Dennehy bought this SUV with cash that Baylor paid its players under the table. He wasn't on a scholarship, so all of a sudden, the university as a whole has a real big problem on their hands. So then we have, like, the president of Baylor being like, well, I don't know. There's nothing to support the allegations, but we take it very seriously. Just the right. usual <laughs> the usual press conference, like, right. non-response <laughs> responses. Like, so fucking ridiculous. And Coach Bliss is denying it that he paid Patrick anything. So now we're at July 17th, 2003, 28 days since Patrick has been reported missing. This is when another time where I'm like, what on earth am I watching? What is happening? Yeah. Carlton decides, like, of his own volition that he wants to make a statement to the FBI. To the FBI. Like, like, what? Yeah. And even the FBI guys are like, who? Right. <laughs> who wants to talk to us? Why? Mr. Carlton Dawson, do you understand that you're being reported? Yes. Why do you want us to come pick you up? What did you come here to tell us? There are many, many demonic spirits that are after me. There are things taking place that are unexplainable. You guys, this is in. Same. It's and then you're like, oh god! Now it's the heartbreaking factor because yeah. this kid is not at all okay mentally. Right? Demonic spirits are after him. Yeah. People are trying to like do things to and with him on a different plane. So then he's saying about these like higher powers, and then he starts laughing. My faith is so strong. I have been taken over by a higher power. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Carlton, what are you doing, girl? I know. I mean, this kid needs help. 
I like, know, I know, like, I know. Can someone just say, okay, they are, let's stop right <laughs> here for a second. Right. <laughs> someone, I mean, this kid, he did it a little bit in the first interview where he's yep. like muttering and rehearsing and laughing. And now he's saying that dem- demonic spirits are after him. Like, yeah. it's scary, but yeah. it's like as sad as it is scary. Totally. Where it's like, and, but, and, but the cops are like, so are you going to tell us about Patrick or right, what? Dotson left the sheriff's office in this burgundy vehicle without talking to reporters. He was picked up by his former high school coach. Carlton is now in the hospital. For what? No idea. <laughs> Hopefully he's getting evaluated in the help he needs, but who the hell knows? Right. They, a, no. little, a little on-screen text never hurt everybody. It goes a long way, filmmakers. Goes I mean, a long way. like, just say, for, or just have someone, just feed a line. Right. Feed, like, Bob, have Bob Fuller say, like, so now Carlton's in the hospital for mental health, be, to be treated for mental health issues. I love that you are just fully directing this now. I'm, I'm here for it. I can't. Uh, I, know. I didn't think I felt this way. But the more yeah. we talk about it, I'm like, this is a nightmare. I know. Nothing makes any sense. No. So now, so he's in the hospital for whatever reason. Yeah. And now he's like, I actually, I want to talk to the FBI again. Right. <laughs> and they're like, all right. It's just a look. I wish people could see your face sometimes. They're like, okay. Yeah. Who are you again? Great. Right. So they set up this meeting at a hotel. So here's the story he tells the FBI agents. And even the FBI agents are like, it sounds like he's telling us a story someone else told him. Uh-huh. Mr. Denna, he asked Carl if he wanted to go shooting. So they drove and left in Mr. Dennehy's Black Tahoe and drove to the place where they were going to shoot. Carlton had a 9mm that Mr. Dennehy gave him. Mr. Dennehy had a 32 caliber. And upon reaching this clearing, Dotson claims that Patrick Dennehy faced him, pointed the 32 caliber handgun at him, pulled the trigger, but it didn't go off. And so Carlton said that he said out loud, Father, please forgive me, and shot Patrick. In the head. In the head. He left in Mr. Denny's Black Tahoe and drove back to the apartment, changed clothes. Threw those in a dumpster. Drove to Dallas, and on his way to Dallas, he threw the gun, the 9mm that he used to shoot Mr. Denny. He threw it in a lake and uh, continued to drive. And drove to Virginia Beach where the car was. Like, he just says all of this. He says his uncle helped him find the car. He threw everything in the woods. They cleaned it. And then they went home. Hot tip. When your nephew shows up and saying, I just murdered somebody, rather than scrubbing the car clean, maybe call the police. Or also maybe get this, like, obviously mentally deranged person some help. Yeah. Or, like, like, pro tip. Or, like, was the uncle there? I don't know. Right. Totally. We never hear about an uncle. We never hear from an uncle. The grandparents don't mention an uncle. Like, I don't know, you guys. On screen, <laughs> we provided maps of Texas to Carlton, who would look at it. He turned it two or three different ways, and he said, well, this is kind of hard to tell. Uh, there's no landmarks or things like that, but he did eventually focus on an area where he felt the body would be. So, of course, Carlton is now arrested. And here's the thing. I never thought I'd be so... I was, like, freaking out about this. Under Texas law, you cannot convict someone with uncorroborated confessions. We had no proof other than Carlton's word that there was a murder. He claimed to have shot and killed uh, Patrick Dennehy. People make confessions all the time, especially those who are suffering from mental illness. They make false confessions. Or they, they make confessions which in their mind are true that never occur because they're psychotic. 
because he's now confessed to this murder, they can't just convict him for it. They actually have to find the body. Hero Bell for Texas. I never, I didn't know that was a thing in Texas. It should be a thing universally. <laughs> totally, totally. But the DA's office is like, I'm not going to do that until there's a body. Are you kidding me? We can't just do that. Right. That's horrible. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, civil rights. Right. Here for it. So just quickly, like, we actually remember, like, they're saying that Harvey Thomas and his cousin were the ones that were, like, going to kill them. Uh-huh. So it cuts to Harvey Thomas, who says this. I ended up going up there and take a polygraph test with the FBI, which I passed with flying colors, too. Flying colors, girl. Flying, flying colors, colors, might I add. Okay. <laughs> that means nothing to me, Harvey, but good for you. Good for you, girl. Remember when you gave a hero bell for Texas law? Who knew, you guys? What a world. <laughs> That should be a thing across the board. I can't right. believe where it's like under Texas law. Why isn't it like just the law? Totally. The one thing in the world Texas is progressive about. Like false confessions? Like, yes. Right. Amazing. <laughs> so then we go through this heartbreaking thing of the cops go to the location and they find Patrick. And it's absolutely traumatizing and heartbreaking and Especially awful. because they show his like thoroughly decomposed body. I don't know, 20, 30 yards maybe off the road uh, was, was Mr. Dennehy. Just felt like I needed to say a prayer so I did I did I just prayed for healing and comfort for the family and him to go to heaven they yeah. show it you guys they need like dental records to identify him it's that bad it's horrible so now of course Baylor University is being investigated and now like now it becomes like the Miss Bliss story <laughs> because if Baylor's being investigated then they're gonna uncover all this crazy shit they're doing with the money and paying people left and right and that just can't happen so this is where this documentary really diverges because it it's no longer just a documentary about like who killed Patrick, what were the circumstances under which he died. Now it's all about like the investigation of, of Coach Bliss and the money for like paying these students. Right. Because I guess the, the filmmakers are saying like, okay, well, Carlton did it. Right. So there is no mystery to yeah. them. Yeah. Let's just focus on Miss Bliss. Right. And do we ever. <laughs> Here at Baylor University, a committee is now looking into allegations the school may have given Patrick Dennehy money that was in violation of NCAA rules. Uh, there's been allegations that we haven't followed the rules. Uh, we follow the rules, however difficult they may be, for 30 years. But I believe that the uh, Board of Inquiry uh, will, again, find that a lot of the things that have been me- or, uh, mentioned uh, and reported uh, are, in fact, uh, not uh, quite as they have been portrayed. So Miss Bliss tells one of the other coaches some story, some like like an actual story, like true fiction. Yeah, that Patrick was getting money for school through drugs. Like right. Patrick is this epic kingpin. Again, he's been there twelve days. Exactly. He started to tell me about this story of why of how Patrick was paying for school and how he had gone into their apartment and found drugs and rolled up money and how all these things. None of it was his fault. So then he tells Abar, hero coach, <laughs> the same thing. And Abar's like, we can't do this. Right. He kind of starts telling the story about maybe Pat being a dealer. And I remember telling him, we can't operate like that. And that's when he was like, well, do you want to get fired? And I said, no, I do not. I remember coming back to my office and I found a copy of his contract on my desk with the portion highlighted that he had the authority to hire and fire the assistants. And at that point, I understood what a reality this was becoming. So what does Avar do? Oh, my God. You guys. Get that hero bell ready. Uh, he goes to, like, Sam Goody. Yeah. Buys a $25 <laughs> recorder and wires himself up. 
Ken, I just gotta say, Dory, I know you listen to this podcast sometimes. Dory! Now. You guys, like, quick side note, Dory and Ken both, like, listen to the episode. From Ken, the 7-5. From the 7-5. Um, Ken didn't like it very much. He thought I giggled too much. That's fine. Well, we're a comedy podcast. I'm not for everybody. Right. It's totally fine. Same. Dory, I think, also thought I giggled a little too much. She did. She told me. I know. Dory, I, Dory, that's like, we share that DM. <laughs> like, girl, I read those DMs. It's fine. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. Listen, anybody who's gotta, like, tell their hot husband to get that brick of cocaine out of the kitchen, like, the kids she's are coming got, home. She's gotta make the pork chops. Girl, Again, Dory, I'm here for you. Yeah. But listen, what I'm going to say is like if Abar can figure out how to strap a, like a, a little recorder to his body in a way that's not noticeable, like Ken, girl, you can do it too. To be fair, that was in the <laughs> 80s and this is 2003. <laughs> so things I think have gotten a little smaller. And I don't think Dave Bliss is hugging many men. That's probably true. And being very affectionate. Yeah. And like, I don't think he has a best friend. Yeah. You know? Totally. Um, But, and here's the thing, like this is not, a, this could never be admissible in court, but they are going to play these recordings and I am here for it because you can't just do that right first of all can we can we go can we like walk through his process of wiring himself up yes it's amazing it's my favorite thing yeah <laughs> i put the mini cassette in my belt line and then i took the mic and i ran it up through my shirt to the side of my pants close to my arm so you really couldn't tell if i pulled my shirt out a little bit from my belt you really couldn't tell that the mic was there and then i would check myself in the mirror to see if the mic was concealed or it doesn't look that weird. And uh, when I felt like it was good and in place, I left the house. I would be shitting my pants. Right. I, you know, I'd be afraid that the tape would run out and you'd hear like a... I was thinking the same thing because at these meetings, when you're conspiring and throwing the reputation of a murdered person under the bus, totally. I feel like those conversations go on for quite some time. I feel like then it would like immediately rewind. Yeah. you hear like... And was like... So July 30th, you guys, like day one of the recordings. And oh I'm like, God. how many days are there? This I know. is my favorite thing in the world. So it's day one of the recordings, but five days after Patrick's body was found. Right. So it's still very new. The first day I recorded with Coach Bliss. Coach Bliss is at the board. He writes reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt. Yes. And he underlines it. It's like, can coaches communicate anything without a goddamn dry erase board? <laughs> He has like that's like so then we run here around the reasonable doubt and we do this and it's like Miss Bliss we like arrows and X's totally yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. like the other the, you know the the truth is over here but we want to block it over here with a pick or whatever the fuck like who cares so then he says this horrible you guys it's on the recording yeah this callous thing where it's like well no one's gonna believe Patrick because he's dead and I'm like oh my god I know there's no nobody right now that can say that we paid Patrick until he's dead. Okay. So what we have to do is create the reasonable doubt. What I a callous, cold, garbage <laughs> person. Can you imagine, like, can you just imagine Abar sitting in that meeting, like, sing like a canary girl? Yeah. You know? And you can hear him, and he even says it, like, to camera. He's like, I just had to, like, laugh at some of it. Because it's so absurd, and it's like, this is being recorded. <laughs> oh, my God. Girl. I know. So Bliss is basically saying they need to create reasonable doubt. That's what they're trying to do. Right. So now these recordings go, go on for a couple days. So yeah. now we hear Bliss talking, like formulating the story. What a crotchety old man. Right. Like the stories that he like wants the players. So he wants, he's getting these players 
to say and believe and whatever that like Patrick was this big drug dealer that right. that that Dave Bliss like needs him to be for his narrative. Yeah. So that's where the money came from. And this one time I went out there, okay, because this was like the middle of May, and uh, we were up there and we're getting ready to do some shit, and Pat walks in with a tray. All of a sudden on this tray, I noticed this. Okay, yeah, pills, So he's like trying to describe, he's like, okay, so let's just say, you know, pulled out a tray and you noticed the leaf. Like, what was the leaf? leaf? It's supposed to be weed. Is that what that was supposed to be? You noticed a leaf. <laughs> like, Dave Bliss, do you really think that drug dealers just have like actual marijuana leaves? Right. Right. I mean, they might if they're growing it themselves, but like on a tray with like a myriad of other drugs where it's like, like pills has- and powder and a leaf. Like, dude, you need to do some shit to it right. before it can end up on the tray of drugs. So then he's like, yeah, so all right. So let's just say, you know, you notice a leaf and then Patrick's like, we're really going to have some fun tonight, fellas. And then he pulls out wads of hundreds, right? He right. Totally Doesn't sound like a great story, right? So that's so something like that. You know, you, your own words, but right. you know, something like that. And it's like a leaf and we're going to we're going to have fun tonight. This is the most blatantly racist thing. This would not. He would have cooked up a story, but it would not have been this if these were white kids. No way. You know what no I mean? No way. And the thing is, then Abar is like, he wants to laugh because what he's saying is so ridiculous with the leaf. You know that Abar was like, girl, leaf. <laughs> <laughs> but he, then he's like, at the same time, this is the most chilling thing I've ever heard. You're sitting there and you, it's hard not to laugh sometimes about it because some of it is like so absurd. It's hilarious. It's like, okay. And then at other times, you start thinking about how chilling it all is and, and sad. And, you know, Patrick's body had just been found. Because he's, he's like, yeah, well, let's just, like, totally ruin this kid's reputation. No problem. Ooh, exactly. This dead kid's reputation. Who, let's like, ruin it. innocent, murdered, yeah. I mean, who at the prime of his life was going to go on to do great things. Everyone around him is, like, sobbing and heartbroken. And he's totally. like, well, you see a leaf and we're going to have a great time. Like, let's party. And they're like, what? So then he's, now he's got to get the kids, the other basketball players involved to tell these stories. Namely, Harvey Thomas. I asked him. You know, well, do you think that uh, Harvey is going to go along with this plan? So when you finally hear the tapes, Bliss is saying, Harvey will lie. He'll, you know, he'll lie when it doesn't even matter because we lied for him. We stood up for Harvey. We did it for Harvey. So Harvey will do anything for us, including lie for us. It doesn't make any, I, we don't know why, but he's like, well, of course he'll lie because we lied for him. So this becomes another dun-dun-dun moment. So not, if you're keeping track, you guys, this was originally a documentary about <laughs> this kid that got murdered. Uh-huh. Then it became a documentary about like what was really happening between these kids. Then it became a documentary about like the money, paying these kids uh-huh. money to like to go, you know, to go to this school because they weren't on scholarship. Now we're adding a fourth layer. Now this documentary is about like how these coaches lied for this other player, Harvey. We never get any information about it right because we did it for him we lied for him that's what he's saying and at that point you don't know who killed who okay so now he decides this is like another day of the recording this is day two Two. i know bliss is off and running he's wasting (laughs) no time it's crazy. Yeah. Abar is telling us that they call in these two players. Mm-hmm. And basically, Miss Bliss has to get these two players to like go along with this story that Patrick was this big drug dealer. Bliss is telling him what to say. I can put words in your mouth, but if you 
you just said this single statement, I think it would help. You know, one time I was over there doing it, and Pat, Pat, Pat brought out, brought out a lot of stuff, uh, mushrooms, and, you know, all this stuff, because they're, they're going to, I mean, they're not going to scare you, they're just going to listen to you. So Bliss says to Ellis, if you would just lie about it, it would be super helpful. <laughs> so then, I mean, Bliss grabs a tape recorder. Now, I'm tape recording this conversation. He pulls out a tape recorder and gives it to them. And I think he handed it to me or he gave it to me and said, have them practice their stories or something like that. And I am just sitting there like shocked. And at first you're like, why on earth? earth would he want to do this right totally it makes no it's like you're and abar's like well hold on a second he's like he goes so just like like put yourself in my shoes real quick i have a recorder going and then he has a recorder going why i know i know so i he's saying like go practice take this tape recorder and go practice your confession i think he just wants a tape of them like admitting that this is all true right so there's this whole investigative committee on the campus right they call miss bliss in and they're like we want to see your bank records and like it's as simple as that because he had reason to believe that i may have paid uh for the tuition and uh, i knew i was caught at that time and so i asked the other members of the committee to leave the room because professor underwood was a good friend of mine and i wanted to talk to him and apologize to him in private Mm-hmm. He, I literally the second that they asked for his bank records, he's like, "Well, I was I was caught." Yeah, I knew I was caught. Then it's like, and this is August eighth, so this yeah. is a couple weeks later. And then it's like, just cut to the press conference, and he's like, "I'm resigning." I have resigned, Baylor University, uh, effective immediately. And now this is one of my favorite parts of the whole thing because it's so derpy and ridiculous. <laughs> Current day Dave Bliss, who was a talking head in this thing, this is amazing. Is still to this day saying that Patrick sold drugs. So to this day, okay. Can you take us through this interview with him? Right. So Dave is like sitting there for the for the movie. Right. Two years ago, whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. And he's like, "This is off camera, but he was selling drugs. He sold to all the white guys on campus." Patrick doing he was selling drugs. Oh yeah. I mean, you don't think I, I'm? Yeah, he he was the worst. No, I never. I haven't found that. I know, yeah, I know, but I'm telling you. But, I mean, that's why. But, you, but, you, but you'll never be able to use this. You know, this is off camera, but he was selling drugs. Meaning, like, you guys aren't recording right now, right? And you could feel everyone behind the camera being like, what? I'm sorry, what? Keep going, yeah. girl. <laughs> tweet, 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 saying like a goddamn canary. So then he does this ridiculous thing. Dave Bliss starts <laughs> acting out how he thinks Patrick sold drugs. These guys that come to his door... They knock on his door, and everybody's in playing video games. And Patrick would take him in the back room, sell the stuff, come walking out, get back in the video games. So now he gets up, and now it's one of those things where, like, the frame, it's, like, out of focus a little because right. he's walking around. And for, like, five minutes, <laughs> you just see Dave Bliss from the neck down. <laughs> And they can't move the camera. Because they don't want him to know that they're recording. Of course. Right. But it's like, your mic, like, oh, so this is, you can't just say this is off camera. Like, <laughs> you agreed, you signed probably a 15-page waiver that totally. said they can use anything forever in perpetuity, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and you just see him from the neck down. It is that stupid, like, plaid, like, coach yeah. shirt. He's a And nightmare. he is, he's just like garbage, 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 garbage. 
Okay, so just to wrap things up, so Carlton is probably schizophrenic, but he's deemed fit to stand trial. They basically manipulate Carlton into signing away his right to an appeal. Mm-hmm. He gets a 35-year sentence, and he can't ever appeal it. He gave up that right. He right. was convinced to give up that right. Yeah. I mean, it's really horrible what happened. Like, the whole proceeding lasted a couple minutes. Like, it's all so obvious that they were like, let's just ship this kid away. Right. Let's sweep this under the rug. And then, in the end, Miss Bliss gets barred from the NCAA for 10 years. And then he ends up, like, he now he's the head coach at this, like, like Southern Christian yeah. college. Like, and, he, every, everyone just, like, went on with their lives. And he's at some event where he's, like, signing autographs. Yeah, he's, like, doing, like, a, a book and, read or whatever. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's, like, you know, and as far as the documentary is concerned, there's all these unanswered questions about, like, was Harvey involved? Patrick's roommate, the white kid, is like, Patrick, there was no evidence when I was living with Patrick that Patrick was ever selling drugs. Right. And then, you know, like, hero coach Abar is now a teacher in federal prison, which oh, I love he's so the much. Best. Yeah. Girl, we got through it. <gasps> Lots of questions. I Lots mean, of questions. And zero answers. So. <laughs> zero answers. <laughs> and, so, and so there we are. So here we are. Girl, what are we doing next? The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. What on earth? I have been seeing this documentary for years. I've never seen it. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I've heard so much about it because everyone in our TCO Facebook discussion group is like really wanting us to do it. So hey, guess what, you guys? (laughs) We're doing it. You guys, don't forget to join our Patreon. We're going to be up to episode six of Serial this week. It's so crazy. All the extended outtakes, other bonus episodes. It's all commercial free. Five bucks a month, you guys. You guys. Can't beat it. Uh, Where can they find us? At True Crime Obsess on the Twitter and True Crime Obsessed.com for all our episodes and calendar and good stuff. What's the Instagram? Instagram is at True Crime Obsessed Podcast. You guys, I've been doing the stories ever since CrimeCon. I've been obsessed with doing the Instagram stories. Yes. I love it. Great. Where can they find you? At Jillian with a G on all the things. Uh, I'm at Patrick Hines on the Twitter, at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram. Um, you guys, this week our palate cleanser is going to be from the Broadway production of Lissa Strata Jones, which was originally produced off-Broadway on a basketball court. Woo! So, that's, so there's that. So there's that. Let's do it. Um, stay tuned for our hilarious outtakes. TM, 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 you guys, TM. People keep asking what TM means. It means trademark. It's like, yeah. we've, like we've trademarked the, the, the phrase hilarious outtakes. outtakes. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's just say that we are the people who did that. Totally. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. We love you. Bye. We love you guys. Bye. Can you tell me about the reputation of the White family in Boone County and West Virginia? I'd really rather not comment on that. When you represent the Whites, you don't know what you're going to get into. Shootings. Armed robbery. Embezzlement. Forgery. Drug cases. Burglary. Fights. Things like that. I enjoy killing people. Cutting them up, shooting them. I can't stop killing you. I chop a symbol up and throw him in a damn mine shaft up in a garbage bag. I got three mine shafts up his house. Well, I used to be water in the back. I used to try a little coke here and there. I smoked a little crack. Right here, listen. You want to hear the Boone County mating call? Sounds good, baby. Like if you started some with me, it would be I'd like I'd fight you. It was one hell of a night. I just went on a rampage pretty much. I 
across the brain, and what are you going to do, shoot me? It's just strange how everything had happened in our family. It seems like our lives has just been a party, and we're just living like as a story. At your funeral, what do you want people to do? Rock and roll, baby. Even though they might be the most hated family, well, they're probably the most free. They are the true rebels of the South. People. You know, when he's saying, like, all men should sin, but there is time to repent. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> At the end of this documentary, they have, like, you know, that sometimes they say who did want to be interviewed and oh, who didn't. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. At the end of this one, there's scrolling text of all of the people who wouldn't be interviewed. And it's literally every single person who's ever worked or gone to Baylor would not be interviewed at all. I always love it when a documentarian figures out how to use the on-screen text at the very end. Like, there's so much missing information from this documentary, I can't even tell you. Yeah, like I have they, 800 questions. I mean, they took the time to do scrolling. And I know it's like a statement, like, no one from Baylor wants to talk about right, it. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do I sound like a zillion years old every time I say marijuana? Um, no. What was I saying in, like, our last episode? I called it marijuana talk. <laughs> Did you really? Oh, it was in the cereal episode. Oh, I right. was like, it's Sarah Koenig and her marijuana talk. I know. Well, you know. Well, we'll get to that in the next episode of cereal. Yeah. It's what Coach Taylor is in Friday Night Lights, everybody. <laughs> it's a the terrible theme song. I, I tried yeah. to, like, use it in no, the last episode. No, it's Snuffy Walden. How it dare is? you? Yes. Oh, my God. How dare you? Snuffy Walden does um, uh, My So Called Life. And Felicity and The West Wing and like every other show on television. Da, 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 da. He did The West Wing? Yes. Snuffy, I've got notes. It's so long. It and is. so like grand. It's like, <laughs> would, would Spielberg do this? It's like, calm down. Ba, we get it. Da, uh, da, da, da. Uh, nightmare. Do you guys love it when we sing? <laughs> Yeah.